The Holy Gospel according to John, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he, knew, he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Children, please come and join me for the kids' time. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, when my twins were just a little bit younger, um, they entered into this fun phase where they started to have a little bit of money, you know, from the tooth fairy or for their birthday or for little chores that they did, but they still didn't understand how money worked. Um, and one of our favorite things to do, especially in these warmer months, is to go to Rita's for water ice. Um, excuse me. Wooder ice. <laughs> and on more than one occasion, uh, the twins would come up to me beforehand and they'd hand me a little handful of change, maybe 50 or 75 cents, and they'd say, Here, Dad, I want to pay for Rita's today. Now, you know, a handful of change doesn't go very far at Rita's, uh, especially for a family of six. Uh, but they didn't know that, right? And so I took the money, and I thanked them profusely for treating everybody, and I put the money in my pocket, and then later when they weren't looking, put it back in their piggy bank for the next time. Um, you know, even with all of their birthday and tooth money, they could never afford just one trip to Rita's. But in offering that up, they revealed a different kind of blessing and generosity, uh, generosity of spirit and heart and love, and it nourished, it, nourished this dad's soul uh, 
in a way that a large mango gelati never could. Um, And I think of this in light of our readings for this morning and the patterns that appear in both 2 Kings and the Gospel of John, where someone takes something that seems meager and insufficient, they offer it up for others, God blesses and multiplies it, and there is more than enough, there are even leftovers. Um, In a part of 2 Kings that we read from this morning, uh, the prophet Elisha is ministering in a time of famine and revealing God's abundance amidst scarcity. Um, Just before today's reading, there's a great story about uh, Elijah helping a widow who had fallen into debt with creditors who were coming to take her son as payment and take him into slavery. And so she comes to Elijah and asks him to help her. And he says, well, what do you have? And she says, all I have to my name is one jar of oil. And he said, well, go to all your neighbors and ask them for all of their empty jars and vessels and bring them here and pour your oil into the vessels. And so she went to all of her neighbors and she got these jars and bowls and vessels um, and she started pouring this one jar of oil into one and the next one and the next one and the next one until she filled all of the vessels. And then she sold the oil in the vessels to pay her creditors and to save her son. Uh, And in this story, a man brings Elijah 20 loaves of barley bread and ears of grain. And Elisha tells him him to set it out for everybody, but clearly it's not enough, and the man protests. And Elisha says, put it out anyway, and there is enough food and even leftovers. Even in times of scarcity, God's grace is abundant. In our gospel lesson, we find Jesus Uh, on a hillside feeding 5,000 people with just five loaves and two fish, and there are 12 baskets left over, probably more left over than what they started with. Um, And I love how Jesus sets Philip up in the beginning of this story because Jesus knows exactly what he's going to do, which he always knows in the Gospel of John. But he sets Philip up by asking, where are we to buy bread for all of these people to eat? And Philip walks right into it saying, six months wages wouldn't buy enough bread for each person to have just a little. Gets them all fired up. Uh, And then Andrew says, but there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? What are they among so many people? And I think that's the key question in our reading. And The key question for us this Sunday and this week, what are they among so many? Now, this moment in the story is easily one of my favorite moments in the whole Bible, where this little boy offers up what he had, even though it seemed insufficient to the task. Out of 5,000 people gathered there, it's this little boy who, like my twins, probably didn't know any better, perhaps didn't realize how money and food worked but he offered it up gladly and freely. And I wonder how many of us would do the same. You know, so often in the face of long odds, we can clam up and hunker down. Things can seem so insurmountable that we don't even try, perhaps because we are embarrassed by how little it seems we have to offer or how little we are. Um, Or in the face of scarce resources, sometimes we want to make sure that we in our own are taken care of. And in today's world, 
the problems that we face seem so enormous and so daunting that we doubt what difference just one person can make. We doubt what difference one act of kindness or love can make. And it reminds me of a line from a new song that Andrew and our band is working on, and it says, I asked the Lord, can one person really make a difference? And the Lord answered me, I wouldn't have it any other way. This is the difference that faith makes. Faith is a way of seeing the world, seeing abundance when everybody else sees scarcity, seeing hope when others just see cause for despair, seeing how one act of hope or trust can make all the difference. With God, we offer up what we have and who we are in the face of the longest odds, and somehow, in some way, God makes it a miracle. Um, Lately, uh, I've, indo- I've adopted the motto, um, every act of love is an act of resistance. Every act of love is an act of resistance. Every act of love is an act of resistance against the darkness. Every act of love is resistance against hate. Every act of love is an act of resistance against despair. Because no act of love or kindness is ever wasted. Life is the accumulation of these acts over time. And when we pull together, and you do, and I do, and we do, we have more of an effect on this world than we think. Um, Being a pastor is a constant and continual reminder of this, that this life is the accumulation of small moments. I can't tell you how many funerals that I've been to when the stories that are shared in those are all about the little moments and these little um, special moments of this person showing up for other people that made the difference in their lives. It wasn't about their job or their degrees or the big things that they accomplished time after time after time. It's stories about the little things that this person did over years and decades that people remember and cherish. Pastoring is a constant reminder that all we can do is offer up what we have, our gifts, our hopes, our ideas, our talents, our body, minds, and soul, and trust that God will bless it and use it. And that's the secret. It's not about knowing the Bible backwards and forwards. It's not praying in the right way and knowing all the spiritual practices and being able to tell me all the books of the Bible. It's not having it all together and being the perfect Christian because there's no such thing, by the way. It's not about having it all down pat. It's just trusting God enough and the people of God enough that when we offer it up, especially in those moments when it doesn't feel like enough, it is. That is what great faith, the faith of Elisha, the faith of this little boy in the gospel is made of. But it's hard because we, we often wait. We like to play from our strengths, and so we exhaust all of our other options. Um, but then when we've exhausted our options and all of those strengths, we come to that moment, that vulnerable moment, that whatever we have to offer or we ourselves feel so 
woefully insufficient to the task at hand. And somehow, by God's grace, it becomes enough. It becomes enough to feed, enough to bless, enough enough to comfort, enough to serve, enough to praise. It just becomes enough and more than enough. You are all more than enough. Our readings remind us that God takes the seemingly small and insignificant things and people and turns them into more than we could ask or imagine that we may be filled with the fullness of God. And so often in our worship, it's the small things, a look or a phrase from a song, a line from a prayer, something at sharing time, a laugh or a hug, that is the thing that sticks with us through the week, the gift that we receive. It's often not the big thing that we expect to find, but it's the small thing that touches us deeply and stays with us through the week. And somehow at communion, we'll take a bite of bread and a little dip of juice or wine, and in that little bite and in that little taste is all the grace and all the forgiveness and all the healing that we could ever need and more so much that there are leftovers that spill out from this table through you into the world. God specializes in taking the seemingly insignificant and inadequate and making it, in fact, more than enough, including us. You are more than enough for God. And there is always grace enough, even enough for leftovers. Amen.